Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. It's only a game, so put up a real good fight. I'm gonna be snickering you tonight. Or I look like a fun with hair or something like that, I suppose, you know. <laughs> I get told I look like a giant baby. Good evening, good morning, wherever and whenever you may be listening. And as always, thank you very much for listening. This is Chain Wrestling with Mags and Cy. I am the slightly nervous Cy as we're trying something new and I always fear change. Um, But here to hold my hand through this process, as always, is the outsider to my always getting wider. The hostile takeover to my probably need a makeover. A podcaster that, for the right price, will be your mystery third man in any three-way scenario. <laughs> the podfather himself, Mr. Mags. How are we doing, sir? I'm doing the mystery third man. I mean, it, it would be a mystery if I rocked up, uh, especially if you're on if you're on some sort of like bland date. But yeah, I'm doing really well. Um, excited to be uh, testing out uh, the the next kind of generation of chain wrestling with you, Simon. Yeah, it's going to be good. Going to be good. As nervous as I am, and as unsure of what I'm doing as I am, it's uh, it's exciting. A little bit of context for everyone listening, I suppose. We're um, we're, we're kind of trialing the idea of maybe taking chain wrestling live, but we'll see how we go. And this is audio only this week. But Magsy and I are. Uh, able to see each other's beautiful mugs as we record this episode as, as a bit of a trial to see how things go. Um, I've picked the wrong week for this though, Magsy, because I made a fade Larry yesterday. I had a oh. shave, mate. Ugh. Yeah, same. I had a shave, and I, it, my... I can go one better. Go on. I'll, the missus shaved my hair off. Oh, why? Like the whole ponytail and the lot has gone. No way. How long was the ponytail? Yeah. Uh, shoulder length. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's still there. Mine's, you know, but, oh, man. My beard was sort of long enough to sort of come down to the collar of my T-shirt, I guess. It was quite substantial. Uh, but it was so hot and itchy, and those who know, I've had a few health problems recently, and it sort of has had an adverse effect on some allergies that I've got, and my skin was playing up. So it got to the point where I kind of had to tidy it up a bit because it was getting too hot and itchy, and it was quite sore. So I cut it back, and then I cut it back a bit more, and it got to a stage where I was taking a bit more off this side, a bit more off that side, a bit more off this side, and in the end, it was just like, I'm going to have to shave the whole lot off, you know? So, yeah, now I look like, um, I suppose, I don't know, King Kong Bundy in a wig, I guess, is how I look at the moment. <laughs> or, or, you know, or if, like, <laughs> or I look like a thumb with hair or something like that, I suppose, you know? <laughs> My wife... <laughs> 
Have fun with hair, brilliant. Yeah, my wife hates it. Absolutely hates it. And she, 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 her exact words to me were, you look a C word, which was lovely. Um, brilliant. My daughter walked in, took one look at me and went, why on earth would you do that? Didn't even say hello. Yeah, that's literally the first words that come out of her mouth. And for most of the evening, the dog wouldn't come near me. Every time I walked in the front room, the dog would growl and walk in the kitchen. So, wow. yeah, every, not a good look, mate. Every time I, I normally have like a, a quite a puffed out beard, uh, but every time I'll, I'll shave it down, I get I get told I look like a giant baby. So, <laughs> I'm I'm never allowed to clean shave at all. That's that's oh. the rule. See, this is like this, this literally the first time I've done this in so long. Um, even when I've had the beard, I'd sort of trim it back, but it would still be, you know, a good inch growth on there or whatever. But it's made me realize how small my mouth is. My mouth's really narrow, you know, because I'm used to it sort of having this sort of frame, I guess. And now I'm looking at it, I'm like, God, my mouth is tiny. My mouth's like only slightly wider than my nose. And I've not got a big nose. How small is my mouth? You know? <laughs> I know what you mean. Man, it forever has the, the double and triple chins. Yeah. Yeah, that's what like, that's what mine does as well. So that's um, as soon as I looked in the mirror, I was like, "Oh, what have you done?" You know, it's <laughs> but uh, you got to the point of no return. Yeah, that's that's what happened, mate. That's what happened. It'll grow back shortly. The wife just said, "Don't come near me for two weeks," which was lovely. So win-win. <laughs> <laughs> um, how's your week been then, Bird? What have you been up to? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, prepping for the uh, the switch from shooting the sports ish to our, our own um, stuff on uh, Radio Techers, which is uh, exciting and nerve wracking. Uh, podcast setting up podcast for this upcoming week. Uh, yeah, it's a busy, busy, busy week, and then we've obviously had uh, England's massive success in the Euros. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been fun. Yes, the massive success in the Euros, fantastic, isn't it? And I don't want to bore people who are not football fans with football talk, but I, I've allowed myself to get carried away, Max. I always, every tournament, I say to myself, don't do it again, don't do it again, because since the early 90s, I've been going through the same cycle that I imagine you have and many other football fans have as well, or England football fans, anyway. Um, that excitement of going into a tournament thinking, oh, you know, maybe we'll do okay with a bit of luck, and then we get a good result, and, and the excitement builds, and then we go through to the next round, and it builds, and you build up, and build up, and build up, and then we lose, and you're heartbroken, and you give up on the national team, and then we start the qualifying process again, and we start going through exactly the same thing. This is just a vicious yes. cycle every couple of years, but this time, it just feels different, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I remember 1996, and 96 felt different, but this mm-hmm. feels different again. This feels like. This could, I hate the cliche, and I, it really does feel like this could be our year. Touch wood, yeah. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I mean, we, we didn't start off the best in the groups. Um, no performance was really kind of outstanding. Uh, we had that horrific draw against Scotland, uh, but since coming out of the, the groups and into the, into the knockouts, we've got better and better. We've got our players seem uh, fresher than a lot of our rivals. We've had a really lucky draw in terms of the the matches that we've uh, uh, we've got leading to the final. So, yeah, it's like, it's like all the cards have, have been dealt dealt in our favour. The bigger teams again knocked out by each other. Uh, they're also they're going to extra time and penalties, which means their players are getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And and we're looking it's it's looking like it's our year. Yeah, yeah. So, who knows, mate? Who knows? I mean, uh, the yeah. day, the day this show comes out on the Wednesday, 
is the day of the semi-final, isn't it? So we could be we could be talking away now into people's ears, getting them built up and excited for the game that evening. Um, or people could be listening to us the following day and think these two prats England have just gone and lost. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> oh, but there we go, mate. There we go. Um, I've got a slight pimple dick alert we need to address, Mags, I'm afraid. Pimple dick alert! Oh, a teeny weenie. Um, and it's only come to my attention in the last sort of 20 minutes before we started recording. Um, so yeah, and it's, it's one that I I don't like the premise of what's going on here, but at the same time, everyone's entitled to their opinion, but it's almost, I'll I'll just get, I'll just get into it. Okay. So, so yeah, we've got a pimple dick alert and it's an odd one for me. Do you remember the band right said Fred? I do. Okay. I think I know where you're going now with this, uh, and I don't know how much I agree. But let's see where you where you take this. Yeah, the the, the band right said Fred. Something popped up on my timeline on Twitter again. Like I said, literally sort of twenty minutes, fifteen minutes before we started recording, and I thought, well, I've got to address this because I want to see I want to see what you think. But also, I'm not happy with certain aspects of, of what they're saying. They're very. I, I mean, I don't know who runs their Twitter account. It's just literally at the threads. So okay. it could be any of them. I don't know. Um, maybe they, they all share it or whatever. I don't know. But it they're very anti-masks and anti, you know, sort of, um, you know, everyone wearing a face covering during the pandemic and so on. Now, from my standpoint, I'm not necessarily anti-mask. I'm not necessarily pro-mask. I, I, I would... I don't want to get into that discussion because that's a conversation for another day completely. My mindset is though, um, my mindset is if wearing a mask saves one person's life, then surely it's worth doing. Even if it literally saves what, even if there's that 1% chance of it helping, even if there's no facts to it, no no evidence, whatever. I don't know the, the, the facts and figures or, or whatever. I don't know what people think one way or the other. But to me, if the if the virus is spread or can be spread by coughing, sneezing, whatever, and one person and everyone's wearing a mask and that one person doesn't cough in a certain direction, and that could save somebody's life. So to me, if there's that one percent chance, or even a zero point zero zero one percent chance of it saving one person's life, to me that's a benefit because yeah. one one person dying of COVID to me is one person too many. Now, what we've got from the Freds on Twitter at the Freds, right? Said Fred um, of "I'm too sexy" and "deeply dippy" was another hit of theirs, wasn't it? And, and so on. Um, a tweet here that they put out that simply says. I would like to thank everyone who is still wearing a mask. It saves me a great deal of time. Your mask tells me I don't need to talk to you, know you, work with you, or try to understand your mumblings. You are... I can never get this word right. Superfluous to requirements. Many thanks. So he's basically saying if you're wearing a mask, he wants nothing to do with you. Again, is choice personal i'm not gonna get into the, the debate in that back and forth um but then we've also got something here that they've shared basically mocking government health advice avoid sunlight and fresh air as much as possible during this pandemic. obviously they're you know, telling you to stay in during the pandemic avoid sunlight and fresh air as much as possible 
trap bacteria and germs on your face for at least eight hours a day in reference to wearing a mask. Watch television news propaganda daily. Get injected with untested vaccines. Okay. And they've captioned this true story. Um, and the one that really gets me is instill a sense of anxiety and fear in your children. Now, that's the problem I have. My, I, I've got four kids. Two of them are older now, but two of them are quite young, especially my youngest. Um, and I've got two nieces who incidentally are, are type one diabetic and they are very, very high risk. Okay. <laughs> so if wearing a mask means that there's a, a, a tiniest chance it's going to help them, then I'm going to do it. Simple as that. But to turn around and say, make your kids feel anxious and scared because of what's going on. I, I say, fuck you. Right. Said Fred, basically. Okay. My little, I'll take my little girl as, as an example. She couldn't go and see her cousin the other day because of somebody who has been, everyone here has tested negative. So just to clear that up, but somebody close to our family came back with a positive result. result. Mm-hmm. So we had to all test it and, and go through all that process. Now we're all negative. Everything's fine. But at that moment, we couldn't go to see my sister because of the risk with my nieces who are incredibly at risk. This really hit home for my little girl, how serious this is with that, because it stopped her going to see her cousin and she got quite upset. Now, to make a generalization, a sweeping statement like instill a sense of fear and anxiety in your children over precautions for this virus that, that is fucking killing people. Who the fuck are these bold motherfuckers who haven't been relevant probably since Ric Flair won the Rumble in 92? Right. To tell me what I'm doing with my children is wrong. My children, my kids, I tell my kids wear a mask. Okay. If they, if that to me, that's the exact opposite of instilling fear. My daughter puts a mask on. She knows she's doing this for a purpose (laughs) and right or wrong. That stops her feeling scared. It stops her feeling anxious. It feels like she's got a little bit of control in the situation. It's it's, it's also educating her, educating her and, and protecting herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and this this whole statement of, you know, if you're not wearing a mask, you're super, superfluous to everything. And so, fuck off, man. My my gran is nearly ninety, and she is incredibly high risk. I haven't seen her for a year and a half because mm-hmm. I can't go around there and risk taking it because I'm I, I'm going into work. I'm doing various things. I can't risk that. I can't because it's just not fair, you know. But. I'm still wearing a mask and hand sanitizers and doing social distancing and everything I need to do, right? Whether it's right, wrong, or made up nonsense, mumbo jumbo, or scientifically factual that's going to help, to me is irrelevant. If there's a tiny, slim percentage of a chance that it means I get to see my nan, if there's a tiny, slim percentage of a chance that doing this means that we come out of this situation earlier, whether I believe in it or not, which I do, by the way, but I'm not going to get into my own tastes on this. This, is, this isn't about me. Whether I believe in it or not, I'm still going to do it for the benefit of everyone else. You know, I'm still going to do it for the, the, very, the slim possibility it may help or the big possibility it may help, whichever it may be. Why would you not? Why would you think I'm not going to wear a mask uh, just to prove a point? I'm not going to wear a mask because no one can control me. Oh, well mm-hmm. done, fucking Billy Big Balls. We are fucking bold noggins. Do you know what I mean? It's like, 
I don't understand the motivation. And then to turn around and post on there that you're uh, making your children scared and anxious with how you're acting. Fuck you, you pimple dick bastards. Who are you to tell me how to conduct my parenting towards my daughter? Fuck you. Feel better now? A little bit. A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) I I, I 100% agree with you. I I am not the kind of person who will kind of uh drill my views on uh on masks and on uh social distancing i do it but i wear a mask in in public and i social distance because it makes me feel like kind of like your daughter it makes me feel more in control of a of a situation that that none of us really have a control over um but for for these and I'm going to use uh, quotation marks, celebrities, because he's talking about being super, uh, superfluous to requirements. These fuckers haven't been relevant for about 25 years. Um, mm-hmm. So they are the epitome of being superfluous to requirements. Uh, but these people who have this kind of a celebrity status and they have this, uh, this um, kind of influence over general public keep coming with with this rhetoric that they know better than medical professionals or scientists that it's all this massive government conspiracy and we're all trying to be uh penned in like sheep and come on you you were grown-ass adults believing stuff like this is absolute mumbo jumbo yeah if you don't believe that uh, you need to wear a mask that's on you uh, you you are totally fine to do that but to uh to influence other people to uh, to not wear masks is dangerous. It really, really is dangerous. And you're fine there, Mister Fred, in uh, in your relative comfort and and uh, and wealth. People uh, of of our class, we we may not have a, uh, an option of mingling with the people who are surplus to requirements. We have to uh, protect ourselves more because we have to go out and we have to earn our our wages week to week we can't mm-hmm. sit back and uh and uh we haven't got the royalty checks coming in um so you your kind of uh take from your uh aspect is is incredibly dangerous and there's a, a comment uh one of the first comments that i read uh uh from a guy called andy simons uh and it actually made me laugh um first lee Hurst, and now this what is it about bald has-beens and covid denial <laughs> Nails it. Yeah. See, Lee Hurst very nearly made it to, to, to a pimple dick alert <laughs> the other week. I had the screenshots of the tweets and everything ready, but then something else came up to sort of divert me elsewhere because <laughs> it just made me so angry to the point where it weren't even a case of me being angry and having a rant anymore. I was literally seething. So, you know, I, I, I kind of left that one alone. But yeah, that guy's a fucking idiot as well, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah, you know, I mean, you can, you are free to believe whatever you want to believe. You yeah. can deny COVID. You can uh, say that masks don't work. You say that you aren't going to wear a mask. That's on you. But to try and influence other people's beliefs and and tell them uh, that what they're doing is wrong and and belittling them, calling them superfluous because of they choose to not believe the same thing as you. That's that's indoctrination at, at the highest order. So, yeah, he's a pimple dick. Pimple dick alert! Oh.
a teeny weeny. And when you said, um, uh, when you mentioned rights, Fred, and I said, oh, I might not agree with you. It's actually because, um, do you know uh, an artist called Richard Ashcroft? Used to be a uh, lead singer for The Verve. Yeah, yeah, did Bittersweet Symphony and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. didn't he? Mm-hmm. Well, he, he's uh, pulled out of a of a, a, a concert called uh, Tramlands, like, kind of like a festival, uh, and it's because they, it was being used as a test event, so nobody there would need to have any kind of restrictions, and he was not comfortable with it at all. And he, he said, I don't know why I'm still being advertised for this, uh, this event, uh, I said from the beginning, if this uh, didn't have social restrictions on, uh, that I wouldn't feel comfortable doing it and I wouldn't be doing it. Uh, and the people who were pegged on to replace him were actually right, said Fred. Really? That's quite, believe, a, that's quite a swerve in direction, isn't it? From Richard Ashcroft to right, I said mean, Fred. I, I, heard, I saw it from Twitter. I, I didn't see any kind of confirmation but maybe they were look they saw the right said Fred tweet and thought hey, they'll be a, a perfect uh, a perfect replacement for Richard Ashcroft. I mean they're the bold pimple dick bastards we need <laughs> <laughs> oh I'm too sexy was a banger though let's be fair but still is sang by fucking idiots and they've gone yeah. down in my estimations for this kind of bullshit. I'm too stupid for my mask. Too stupid for my mask. <laughs> oh, that's going on the intro, you know that, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Magsy, shall we get to Twitter, my friend, and have a little yes. look at what we've got there? Let's go for it. Okie doke. Um, this week, for our non-wrestling topic, we we decided we're going to speak about game shows. We're going to talk about um, game shows you loved, game shows you hated, game shows there the hosts annoy you, anything like that at all. Um, but all we got was was positives, Mags, wasn't it? It was lovely. Mm, yep. People talking about the stuff they loved for a change. Oh, <laughs> and what what is this wrestling Twitter you were talking about? I know. It's surreal. It's surreal. The word um, was there. The word was right there. Love yep. or hate. Uh, but yeah, it was it was all lots and lots of lovers for especially for British game shows. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, when it comes to stuff you hate, I mean, I'll start off with that, but then we can just start getting positive afterwards, shall we? Um, I don't like Tenable for the reasons I mentioned previously. I don't like the little dude who hosts it. Oh, um, Tolly will will dislike this with a with a vengeance. Yeah, He's a I massive. Know. He's a massive Tenables fan. Um, I, I don't mind watching it. I, I like Warwick Davis, but yeah, um, it's not a show that's in my regular rotation. It's, it's, the show itself's quite good. It's quite a clever premise, but I just don't like the guy hosting it. I don't know why. I just don't like it at all. <laughs> You're smallest. <laughs> We've had this conversation before, and we said, don't go down this road, because you'll end up getting me cancelled, <laughs> won't you? Uh, <laughs> um, I don't like the new catchphrase. This drives me nuts. Have you seen this? The catchphrase reboot. Is it, is it the one with Ben Shepherd? Is it called Ben Shepherd? Oh, I don't know. Is it? But no, no Ben Shepherd does. Stephen um... St- Stephen Mulhern. Right. Yeah, I don't like him. He he annoys me so much. It's it's catchphrase is the one with Roy Walker in it. Say it. Yeah. See it. Yeah. There's there's some people who cannot be replaced as a host of a show, and Roy Walker was definitely one of them. Yeah, he was he was great. Um, the new catchphrase, they've dumbed it down as well, you know? Mm. Like, we'll sit there 
I, I won't sit there. The, the missus and the kids will sit there and have it on. I'll be doing other things. And I'll literally just walk through the room and just be able to just say whatever's on the screen and get it right. Because uh, it's that easy. And it's like, it's so dumbed down now. It's ridiculous. It's like they could literally show a picture of a tree. Right, just a tree, and it's it's not even it's not even like you've got to find a catchphrase anymore. It's just like a, a certain. It's literally just say what's on the screen. You know, yeah. is it, how this new catchphrase is. It's so dumbed down and simplified. They could show you a picture of a tree, and these people would be going, uh, "Is it a bus? Uh, <laughs> is it is it green leaves? Uh, oh, I don't know." Uh, and then eventually they'll go, "Oh no, sorry, it's tree." And they'll go, oh, of course it is, yeah. Well, mean, that, you know, the, that's not even a catchphrase. It's like you said, no, it's exactly. just our word. Yeah, exactly. And that, he, he goes, oh, you know, oh, what's Mr. Chips doing? Mr. Chips is probably right in the back, banging his head against the wall, because these fuckers are driving him mad because of how dumb they are. You know, <laughs> he's, that's what Mr. Chips is doing. He's, he's <laughs> smashing his noggin like against that. the wall in frustration. Yeah. <laughs> I'll sit rope round the neck and all that. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't handle this. <laughs> Those are... Uh, uh, two that I'm really not fond of, Maxi, but Twitter was full of stuff that everyone loves. In um, fact, Twitter sent me and Mrs. Mags down uh, a retro uh, YouTube rabbit hole watching some of these shows. Oh, okay, brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, see, I should have done that because there was one or two that I don't remember. But I thought what I'd do is is what I normally do and be incredibly unprepared and just ask you. So, why change the habit of a lifetime? Yeah, it's worked for thirty odd episodes, mate. It'll work for thirty more. We'll, uh, <laughs> uh, we'll start then with, um, I suppose, as as they come in to us, the order they come in, or the whatever I've got them here. Um, MGB Graham, he yeah. says, does Countdown qualify? Um, of course it does. Countdown qualifies. The wife also asked the same thing: Does Countdown qualify? I was like, well, yeah, of course it does. It's a game show. Um, yeah. Uh, there, there was quite a bit of love for Countdown. Uh, I think Dan also mentioned it earlier uh, in one of his tweets. I liked it when it was Richard Whiteley. Um, I, I, I like it now because of Susie Dent, but Rachel Riley gets on my fucking wit. I just cannot yeah. stand her. She's annoying. Why is that? Um, it's not. A, I mean, she's a nice. Uh, seems like a nice enough uh, girl. She's uh, funny on the show. Uh, she's got a, uh, a character, but it's a, a Twitter politics. Um, uh, I just, right. She's as, as Dan explained it best. She's a, she's out herself as a as a full on Tory, uh, which that's her choice. But again, kind of like Rat said, Fred, she goes. Uh, she goes in hard in in trying to indoctrinate people uh, mm. into uh, following the Tory way. Uh, she was a, one of the leading kind of um, celebrities that uh, was uh, was claiming that uh, Jeremy Corbyn was uh, anti-Semite. She shared the image uh, that was doctored of him uh, when he was um, p- protesting apartheid in in uh, in South Africa and, and calling him racist and stuff like that. I mean. Like him or love him, uh, Jeremy Corbyn. Um, he worked his worked his arse off to to uh, highlight racism. Uh, and um, whilst he is not the perfect politician by all means, and, and nobody certainly is, but um, I think she was one of the leading people to kind of like really uh, dig into him over this like anti-Semitism thing. So yeah, I just can't vibe with her because of that. Um, plus, she's no Carol Vorderman. No, I suppose. Have you seen Cara Alderman? No. 
Um, I mean, not today, but she's still not today. Yeah. <laughs> she, she didn't pop. She didn't pop right for a cup of this morning. I don't know. I can check on her. Make sure she's all right. <laughs> yeah, we've been social distancing for about forty years. Yeah. No, she's um. What was she? She's sixty odd now, isn't she? She looks fantastic. Oh yeah, absolutely. She does. Um, she, she is amazing. Amazing human being. She looks. She's like twenty odd years older than me, mm-hmm. and looks amazing. I'm 20 odd years younger than her, and I look like shit. What, what's Same. going wrong? You know? <laughs> it's disgusting. Oh. Laugh is unfair. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Uh, at UTT Rob, and this is a sentiment I can 100% uh, get on board with. He says, Bullseye was the king of game shows. 100% agree on that. 100% agree. Now, I, um, I mentioned to you on, uh, on Twitter that uh, I, I, I quizzed the wife on what were favourite. And um, with Mrs. Mag, she's kind of like, she doesn't really remember stuff until you mention them. So I had to like ram off a, a lot of names and Bullseye was one. She's like, oh, yeah, Bullseye was superb. Used to love Bullseye. Yeah, what a great show it was uh, with uh, capital T, Tony Green uh, and crazy man Jim Bowen. Yeah, who can't beat you a bit of bully? Yeah, when, I loved it. When the when the game show host takes the the advertisement break to count out your winnings for you, that's that's quality yeah. entertainment. The big old thick huge banknotes as well, you know. He pull could... it out of his back pocket as well, on that. Yeah, lick his fingers and roll them off five, ten, fifteen. Yeah, <laughs> the old banknotes. That's that, they're so big that you can always carpet your house with them. They were massive, weren't they? <laughs> Do you want to go for the mystery prize? No, Jim. We've had a good day. We'll take our twenty-eight quid, and we're <laughs> going to get we're going to get back down the red line and get get levered in our new tankards. Yeah, that's it. So they'll bring back somebody who's already lost. Yeah, who <laughs> only won fourteen pounds. <laughs> yeah, I can't get levered on this at the social club. I'll have a go at winning whatever's there. And then they open the doors up, and it's like it's a speedboat. Fucking brilliant! I live in a flat in Dudley. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, rem- I remember one time they won. Uh, the team won uh, a fitted kitchen, and these were two blogs who didn't live together but won yeah. a fitted kitchen, and they they just sawed every single part of it. After they did that, they came onto a uh, a show afterwards, and they'd literally just sawn every piece of the kitchen unit in half to to show Jim. Oh, amazing! See, my mum hated Jim Bowen, hated him. Wow. The same way that the same way that I don't like the bloke who does catchphrase and uh, what's the what's that other show? Um, Tenable, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is like a real passion. She she hated Jimbo and she really really hated him. Uh, and Jim Davidson as well. She hated Jim Davidson. Yeah, I mean Jim Davidson now is kind of like the the Freds and Lee Hurst. But Jim mm-hmm. Davidson back then in the Generation Game um, and Big Break. Oh my god, yeah. I used to love Big Break. Uh, him yeah. and John Virgo were brilliant on there. The missus didn't like Big Break so much. Uh, not a huge fan of snooker, but I, I thought it was a brilliant show. Yeah, I liked Big Break. Um, Rob also says he can't stand Mags's fave, Victoria Cohen Mitchell. I now, we've mentioned her before, haven't we? She's she the host of something, Mags? She hosts Only Connect. And Okay, I've not seen this one. Yeah, and Rob was was that close to being blocked. Uh, yeah, <laughs> slating Victoria Corrin Mitchell, she is a saint. Um, yeah, All Connect is uh, it's one of the the two regular game shows that I'll watch. 
week in, week out, without fail. Uh, I absolutely love that show. See, I'm not seen. I'm gonna have to look at. I'll, 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 I'll watch it tonight, Max, and I'll, I'll uh, report back next week. See how we see how I get on with it. Okay. You do so. You'll love it. It's a, it's a little bit. That's... Yeah, it's tough. It's not yeah. always easy to get the to get the the answers, but um, you you'll enjoy it. I think you will. Well, if it makes me feel too—if it makes me feel too stupid, I'll just put a new new episode of Catchphrase on and seem like I've got an IQ of four hundred. You know, so. <laughs> the, the, the thing with Victoria Corey Mitchell is, so, is she's so sarcastic, and that's what I find hilarious about her. She's so witty. She's actually married to uh, David Mitchell uh, from Peep Show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to watch, mate. I'll have to watch. Um, we got a couple of people here suggesting wrestling crossovers into uh game shows which i'm all about i love that uh dan griffin at dan griffin 21 he mentions the wwf weakest link episode from around 2001 2002 ish um and robinson giving the likes of stone cold and kane shit was glorious he says i've seen clips of that i've not seen it all the way through but i believe that a couple of our listeners have shared links on our twitter page so when this episode comes out i'll reshare all those for everyone to uh to have a look at um at good bad wrestle good cop bad cop wrestling podcast who by the way on this week's show where you were a guest magsy um played a little advert for the wonderful chain wrestling so i want to thank them very much for that it was very kind of them thank you very much guys always um, a pleasure being on their show yeah, yeah, it sounded good as well. I really enjoyed listening back. It's a shame I couldn't make it myself, but uh, I just had my second COVID jab and I felt like I was fucking dying. So <laughs> um, they, they say, did you guys see WWF Family Feud or Family Fortunes to UK listeners? That that was a quality watch. Macho Man and Shawn Michaels were team captains. I did not, but I want to. I really want this in my life. This sounds amazing. And luckily, uh, in the replies, uh, Graham from Good Cop Bad Cop has, has put the the link uh, to it on 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 YouTube. Uh, yeah. And the the uh, the thumbnail is Tatanka in full uh, wrestling regalia. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, when I've got a, a couple of hours, I'm gonna watch that. I'm gonna watch the two uh, uh, weakest links that that Dan's put up. Uh, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, definitely. And again, when the episode uh, comes out on Wednesday, I will share all these links and so on on our Facebook, Twitter, uh, and wherever else, so people can see these crazy game shows with wrestlers in. They're brilliant. Um, Dan Griffin continues, used to love Big Break, uh, and he started learning the alphabet by watching Blockbusters. I loved Blockbusters when I was a kid. I thought it was brilliant. I really wanted to go on it because all the people on it seemed young. I really wanted to go. I was only like 11, so it wasn't going to happen. But it was like, I, I thought Blockbusters this was great. Yeah. Bob Holness, what an absolute legend. Um, yeah. Yeah, great show. Um, and and has the meme to end all memes with, can I have a pee, please, Bob? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we had the um, uh, the board game. Did you ever seen that one, Max? I did, yes. And you used to, you'd ask for the question, and then the person you're playing, I think it was, would pick a card out with that letter on. And mm-hmm. if you got it right, you got to put a little shitty plastic wedge thing on the board in that hole and try and get across the, you know. Yep. Oh, the fun we had with bits of card and plastic in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> um, Dan continues, Golden Balls was average until it got to the end and someone fucked the other over. Now, Golden Balls, I, I com- it's one of those where I completely forgot it existed until a clip came up. And I think it might even have been a clip 
that inspired me to sort of message you and say, hey, shall we do game shows this week? Um, it may have been that that sort of started off the thought process in my head because it was, for anyone who doesn't hasn't seen Golden Wars, the premise is basically you're, you're winning money to share in a pot all the way through the show and so on. But the real drama is at the end yes. when you're left with two people and you have a pot of money. Say, for example, the pot is, I don't know, 10 grand or say just for argument's sake and in front of each player they've got a two golden balls and one is um split and one is steel mags isn't it written on the inside so at the same time they have to well, not even it. not even written on it's essentially it's, a sticker it's yeah. a shitty cheap that uh, <laughs> laser jet printed sticker yeah exactly and and basically if you both share the pot you go home with half each. So you got effectively in this made up scenario, five grand each, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. If one of you shares and the other one steals, then the person who steals takes the lot. And mm-hmm. and the other person who's, who's been nice goes home with nothing. But if you both steal, you both go home with nothing. And the, 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 the drama and the mind games and, Oh, I sat at home watching that. That was, that was tense. You know, you're I was all, you know, hoping that this lady wouldn't oh, screw this guy over or whatever. And there's one where this woman is unsure of what to do. And the bloke is saying to her, I 100% will share. I 100% will share. Trust me, share. And we'll both go home with the money. Share. And you kind of don't really trust him, mm-hmm. but he's really hammering home. Share, share, share. And then when it comes to it, she looks really, she's virtually in tears because she's petrified. She said, oh, if, if I win this five grand, it, it'll change my life. And he's like, trust me, share. We'll both be happy. He opens share, she opens steel, takes the lot and screws yeah. him over. And I was like, oh, and it's so uncomfortable. And your stomach just turns and oh, it, it was watching his face. Too. It's watching his face when he was the one trying to like, um, really push her uh, to sharing. And she was the one pretending that, oh, yeah, the, don't screw me over, don't screw me over. And then, like, <laughs> fuck you. I'm yeah. having the lot. Oh, yeah. you'd, you'd go for her in the car park, wouldn't you? You'd be waiting for her. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's why Simon was never allowed on Golden Balls. <laughs> oh, that was a great show, man. Um, Dan says the current favourite for him is The Chase. Uh, Brad Walsh is the oh, best host going. Oh, my God. There's this, this just clips of Bradley Walsh on YouTube, and it makes me cry, even though I've watched him dozens and dozens of times. The, the whole Fanny Schmeller one. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it, it's just it, him just corpsing when he's reading the questions before he even gives it to the contestant and he's reading them out to himself and you can just see him like <laughs> Yeah <laughs> It's brilliant It's absolutely brilliant uh, He is a, a comedy legend I absolutely adore Bradley Walsh He was, he was he's great uh, The chase, I enjoy, it's the time of day it's on I think, it's quite convenient because mm-hmm. in, in the job I was doing for a while it was the time that we'd all sit down and eat our tea so me, uh, uh, my lad would normally be off doing his own thing, but me, the wife and the two youngest daughters who, who live here, uh, would watch the chase. And the multiple choice answers are good as well for the kids because if they don't actually know, they can have just a stab at it anyway. And you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, same as I suppose who wants to be a millionaire and you have the multiple choice there, I guess. Um, I like Bradley Walsh, he's great. He was, he was brilliant in Doctor Who as well. Um, I weren't, I weren't quite sure how he was going to come across in that because I'm quite a, quite a Who fan. And when I saw Bradley Walsh was in it, I was a bit like, oh, hang on, about how's this mm-hmm. going to, you know, be? But he was, he was great in that as well. So, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a top fella. Um, five Nerds Go, at Five Nerds Go on Twitter. 
so they again more for big break um 101 ways to leave a game show i don't know what that is i have never ever heard of that um matt is usually good at picking out kind of like very obscure uh tv programs but i've never in my life heard of 101 ways to leave a game show um so it looks like it was uh, kind of like the, the lottery-style shows, um, what they used to get on, on the BBC. Um, uh, on each episode, eight contestants compete for £10,000 by picking the correct answer to general knowledge questions, all the while standing on a tower configured for various stunts. So competitors who, who picked incorrect answers are eliminated from the show uh, and in various different ways, usually involving a drop into a large pool of water. Oh, that actually sounds sounds like something I would watch. Again, I'm going to have to go and have a look. I, I, I don't know what that is at all, so I'm going to have to check it, that out, yeah. It, it looks like they only ever did one season of it. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, fair enough. I hope they don't leave it on a cliffhanger, then. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like a kind of like a, a Wipeout-style show. Oh, uh, okay. Have you seen... There's an advert on the telly earlier about the American Wipeout, and John Cena's hosting it. Have you seen this? Mm. I saw I saw a guy who looks like John Cena. Uh, it, I don't think it was him though, but I haven't seen the new one. Maybe John Cena's taking over. Uh, but the 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 original ones were this kind of like like an Aldi version of John Cena. An Aldi. <laughs> yeah, I swear this was John Cena. Um, maybe maybe, him, it, maybe it wasn't. Maybe I'm I'm completely wrong. I don't know. But it looked like him, and uh, it said it said oh you know coming soon on ITV four or whatever. Um, it looked brutal, like the stuff you know, when they're running across the track and like stuff shoots out the water, push them in the water. This isn't just like a cushion thing coming out and giving them a shove. This is like knocking people's freaking heads off. It looks really brutal. So I'm I'm all about that. I'm gonna watch that. <laughs> um, I love games like that. That uh, stuff like Takeshi's Castle. Yeah. Uh, where you know that they come away with horrific injuries and broken kneecap stuff like that. Oh, it's yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, I said to the wife earlier, it might have been you that told me this, Maxie, I don't know, but um, more people have been to the moon than have won Takashi's Castle. <laughs> I mean, how do you win when you've got a ring of paper to defend in the final? Yeah. It's, well, it's, 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 it's damn near impossible. So, yeah, I've, I've seen somebody win. I've seen somebody win, but maybe that stands out so much because it does happen so little. Or is it the Mandela effect that you think you've seen somebody win when really you haven't? Uh, maybe. To be honest, I don't. At the end, when they're all just jumping around and being prats, maybe somebody's won, maybe they haven't. I don't really know what's <laughs> yeah, going on. Who, who actually knows? <laughs> what is the aim of the game? Who knows? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> uh, five nerds go, carry on and say, old school catchphrase. Yeah, all about that. None of this new show bullshit. Um, who dares wins? What's that, Max? Is that not the the like catchphrase for the SAS? Mm. Oh. Yeah, it is actually. SAS Who Dares Wins is a, a quasi-military television program that was on uh that's on Channel 4. Yeah. Um not again, not one that I have particularly heard of, but uh it's more homework for next week, mate. Yeah. Um, blankety blank Jay, yeah. Jet, Jet Book and Pen as long as it's the Les Dawson one um, I don't yeah. think any of the, the ones without Les Dawson are, are that good but yeah Les Dawson was brilliant 
Um, hole in the wall with added maggle. I mean, I've never been on hole in the wall, but I'd, I'd <laughs> certainly it'd have to be a big hole. Uh, <laughs> it's not a show that I was. I, I think I've watched it a couple of times. It's it's it just felt like something that once you've seen it once, you've seen pretty much every single episode. Is this the one that's um? It, it's the big silver wall coming towards them, and there's yeah, a shape, and, and they got and they got a sort and, of contort to fit through the shape. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. It's, it's good for a little bit, and then when when you've seen it for a bit, it's like oh, okay, repetitive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, bring in an international flavour to chain wrestling. Our good friend Chris Mangle from all the way on the other side of the world in Australia. Hi, Mangle Chris at, at Mangle underscore Chris on Twitter. Um, he says his favourite was the Generation Game. Uh, Brucey was the king of game show hosts. Fair enough. I'll I, I get on board with that. Um, he's a Jim Bowen was also a host he enjoyed. Um, I, like, I like Jim Bowen. Uh, Bruce is amazing. Uh, he was good on. Uh, is it Bruce Force has play your cards right? Where you'd have to uh, pick higher and lower on the cards. Not wrong with oh, that. Yeah. Great game. Didn't um, Barrymore do that for a while as well? Did he not? Did he? I don't remember. I don't know. Am I thinking of something else? Yeah, he was on Strike oh, like, Looker. Yeah, that was the one where he's going up and down the steps, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no playing cards on there, is there? Mrs. Mags loved that show. Strike it, look, she thought yeah. it was brilliant, yeah. And you hit the button on top of the telly, don't you? And there's like an arrow yeah. telling you to move on or you get and, a prize or... And you, or you hit the hot spot. And what is a hot spot? No, it's not a good spot. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> he comments about Jim Bowen. Uh, sorry, Chris here comments about Jim Bowen. Um, would annoy him a bit when he'd say, are you asking me or are you telling me? after somebody would answer a question and he's like oh, I, I can see how that can be a bit blunt and a bit annoying yeah but you know it's Jim Bowen if you want those big big you know bedsheet banknotes you got to go on with it aren't you exactly. <laughs> and it, it, I, th- I thought always thought it was best when they got to the spelling questions because you'd always get the bull uh bully obviously with a dictionary like flipping pages going across the bottom of the page whilst he spelt the word out for that yeah. brilliant I yeah, can't great. beat a bit of bully. <laughs> exactly. Unless, of course, your name is Paul Tolly and he gives you nightmares. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Um, <laughs> our good buddy Millwall Chris at Millwall Chris One on Twitter. Uh, another shout out for Blankety Blank, hosted by Les Dawson, he says here. Um, mm-hmm. But the show with Kenny Everett as a guest wins hands down. I've not seen that, but Kenny Everett used to make me laugh. Yeah, Ken Everett was superb. Um, I, I, I would I would think he's been on that show multiple times. Um, yeah, and I, you can just imagine him making Les, uh, Les Dawson absolutely corpse. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, that would be a good one. Uh, Chris continues. 3-2-1. says, with such ridiculous clues, they could have been written by someone on the WWE writing team or Vince <laughs> Russo. But I, oh, I don't yeah. remember... I don't remember three, two, one. Yeah, you do. With Dusty Bin. No. Ted Robbins used to come on doing that, that three, two, one. Yeah, the wife said about the whole three, two, one thing as well. Yeah, but I don't remember the. I don't remember it. Right. So basically, it was like a a, a, a series of different games, uh, and you would essentially be. He would read you out a clue that either linked, you had to work out whether it linked to a prize or whether that clue can be linked to winning a bin um like an actual <laughs> like dustbin uh, okay more often 
and they were the most convoluted kind of clues. How I mean, we have some tenuous links on this show, but these were way more tenuous than ours could ever be. Uh, how they got like from these stories to the uh, to the uh, to translate it to a winning a bin. Uh, but yeah, it, it it was a fun show. It was kind of almost like a. Um, uh, a mixed bag of shows because they'd also have like uh, artists on and singers and and uh, like and uh, comedy spots on and stuff like that. So it was like a uh, more like a, an all round entertainment show. But yeah, it was. It's it hasn't aged well. Uh, right. I can't say that it has, but uh, it it was fun for back in the time. Yeah, okay, I'll have a look at that one as well. I suppose. Um, at wrestling through life. So this is Scott, isn't it? Scott, hello, sir. Uh, Loved the Krypton Factor. Very underrated game show, he said. Now, I remember yes. the Krypton Factor, and there's a bit on the Krypton Factor that used to freak me out. Um, when they're doing the obstacle course bit, and then they go under this, like, uh, almost like under a little tunnel, but they'd have to go underwater through this little tunnel and come out the other end. Okay. I didn't like that. That used to, that used to freak me out. I'd have, I'd have bad dreams about that. I think they... they... They took that bit out in the later series because uh, this was one of the shows that me and uh, Mrs. Mags went on a YouTube uh, rabbit hole on. And we ended up watching an episode of The Krypton Factor because uh, when Scott mentioned it, we were like, oh, my God, yes, that is a banging pick. Uh, Gordon Burns, the, the the most professional horse you could ever have on a game show. Uh, yeah, and, and that show had everything. It had intelligence. You got to watch a bit of a funny video, and then like kind of like spot the clues and and uh, and the errors. You had a uh, where you had to build something. Uh, the one what we watched, uh, you had to get these eight magnetized blocks to all fit together uh, and lift a, the whole thing up like a, a, a giant cube. Um, and then when it come to the uh, the assault course, the I thought that that's that's that was the best bit because the 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 better you did like in the earlier rounds, you got more of a time um, like lead in the in the in 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 the assault course. Uh, the the one we watched, a, a lady called Janet was in the lead all the way through the show. Uh, she actually comes second in the assault course, but she ended up winning because the referees adjudicated that the person who won he cheated when it comes to the water slide bit. You meant to put your feet in the water as soon as you can to slow you down. Well, what he did, he lifted his feet up so he zipped past this woman uh, and was able to to get out of the the water slide quicker, and he beat her through it. So he ended up uh, he ended up uh, losing points because of it. Bloody hell, drama on the Krypton Factor, mate. <laughs> yeah, and also she she was the manager of an airport, and one of the the the. Um, task you had to do was land the aeroplane when they used to do it in the simulator oh she yeah she nailed it she she nailed it perfectly um i don't think she was an airport manager at all i think she was a, a full-on pilot she was so good at it i forgot about that yeah that, i was wanting to go on that as well but i couldn't because i didn't want to go under the water tunnel do you know what i mean <laughs> it weren't worth the risk you know <laughs> um Graham Midgley on Twitter at Jeeves316. He says, Funhouse. Yeah, I loved Funhouse when I was a kid. It's 
go karts and another one we watch. Uh, it again, it's it's not aged well. I don't think Pat Sharper. It doesn't seem as funny now as he was back then. Uh, in fact, some of his comedy was kind of dark for a kids for a kids game show. It was kind of dark. Was it? Um, yeah, he was like uh, telling these kids that they couldn't play along because they were too excited. Uh, but it, it was fun to watch back. Um, it wasn't as as cool as it was back in the day, though. Right. Okay. And the yeah. twins had their hair braided, which just wasn't didn't look nice neither. No, I was a big fan of them twins growing up, mate. <laughs> Shock. <laughs> which was um, your favourite twin? I don't know. Red man. or yellow? I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't care. <laughs> Either or, you know. <laughs> um, moving on, <laughs> Danny at Scottish Juggalo on Twitter. Never mind the buzzcocks, he says. Used to be hilarious, especially when yes. it's hosted by Mark Lamar. He'd love to see it return in its original setting. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I see that more of, um, I see that sort panel of thing show. as more of a panel show. Yeah, yeah. you know, similar to they think it's all over and uh, mock the week and so on. But I find all those things absolutely brilliant. I'll sit there and watch them for hours and hours and hours. Yeah. So anything that can make me laugh, I really enjoy. You know, and. I- I, I'm, I think I'm in the minority as well, but I actually thought the Sam and Am, uh, Amstel episodes were, were good as well. I thought he was so sarcastic yeah, with the guests. Uh, but yeah, Mark Lamar was the absolute best. They're a kind of show you can put on, on YouTube and just let it keep playing the next video over and over again. Uh, yeah, it was absolutely brilliant. Phil Jupiter had... is a legend. Oh yeah, Phil Jupiter. Do you remember when they had... This was a Amstel episode. Um, they had... Donny Tourette on, the lead singer of Towers of London. Yeah. And he was trying to act all bad boy rock and roll, uh, rock star and all this. And Amstel just fucking destroyed him over and over yeah. and over Ooh, again. I'm sat here smoking a cigarette, aren't I mean? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Always lit a cigarette now, an actual cigarette that you can go and buy in shops. You know? <laughs> Hang on a minute. Oh. Donny is smoking now! What is he going to do next? A cigarette that you can legally buy in shops? I'll try to carry on, but I'm shocked and appalled! Uh, for, for me, the, the, the best episode is the uh, Preston from The Ordinary Boys. Okay, I've seen it. Why does that? Oh, is that because they were just digging him about his missus? Is that right? Right. So all the way through the show, Simon had his uh, his wife. Uh, his wife was Chantel, who was in Celebrity Big Brother, but she wasn't the celebrity. Mm-hmm. Um, and she brought out this uh, autobiography, and he had like all the the pages marked with uh, stuff he wanted to rib pressing <laughs> over. So he, he's there uh, reading something out like, "Oh, they uh, they um, they made me look like a princess when I went to this uh, this charity event. It was so cool." And Preston's there; you could see him seething, and he just texts it. And then the, the next one is like uh, says something else. I can't even remember the comment. And Preston just goes, "Do you know what? I've had enough." walks up gets up walks off um so they <laughs> essentially the the team is down by a guy so they just get a bloke who kind of looks like preston out of the crowd he sits there i think he's uh he's, this guy's like a, a plumber as well like that. and 
he's called the new Preston. <laughs> and then when uh, Simon tries to like um, make comment about this Chantel again, this new Preston goes, yeah, you're well out of order and just plays along with the gag. It's fucking brilliant. Preston go, looked like an absolute it, child. He looked like an absolute baby. I mean, you go on that show knowing you're going to get ridiculed. Yeah. That's the whole aim of the show, but he was such a child. Yeah. I'm going to seek that out and watch it, man. That sounds fantastic. That oh, sounds fantastic. Um, Steve-O, our good buddy, at Total Steve-O on Twitter. Uh, so he doesn't really recall many game shows, but Strike It Rich with Barry Moore. That's what we were just talking about, wasn't it? Or Strike It Lucky or Strike... Yeah. I think it got called Strike It Rich when they tried to rebrand it, but um, Strike It Lucky was when I really knew about it. Yeah. Um, he was a genius a couple of years ago. He was obsessed watching reruns on challenge all the repeats of that show okay um basil faulty on acid he says michael barrymore <laughs> was like what hosting that show and i remember there were moments he would get really excitable and over the top and he would be quite funny wouldn't he yeah yeah um steve continues his issue with many shows like deal or no deal etc they were very good but as ever it became more about the characters on the show than the game itself um, and he says the weakest link was good, specifically, sorry, when Anne was ripping the contestants to shreds. Yeah, I get on, get on board with that. Weakest link was quite good for a while as well. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I don't, I didn't particularly like Anne's kind of like character. I think sometimes she went a little bit overboard, but it, it's playing a character and it worked and uh, it was very popular. I think she even took the character to America and was on the American version. So, uh, yeah, mm. I mean. I didn't mind it. Um, great, it's a it's a good pick. Deal or no deal was never something that I was a game that I was particularly a massive fan of. Because end of the day, it's, it's picking a number in a box. Um, yeah, I never got on with it too well, to be honest. I mean, I get the fact that the the amount of money can be life changing, but that much drama from opening a box, mm, yeah, just didn't work for me. No, no. I, I like I like the simple stuff, you know. I just ask a question, get an answer. Like millionaire, who wants to be a millionaire? I love that that, that format to me. It's spot on. The chase yeah. again, absolutely spot on. You know, just the simple, ask general knowledge, always quiz type. I suppose. You know, is there any that, that have not been mentioned, Mags? That yeah, you know, and you, uh, you and Mrs. Mags adore. Not so much Mrs. Mags, uh, but one that me and uh, Tolly. Uh, both fully agreed on was a quality show and it's massively underrated was uh going with going for gold with Henry oh, Keller. I was gonna I was gonna mention going for gold myself because that used to be on in the day and I, I if I bunked off school for whatever reason I knew that come the end of going for gold I'd have to leave the house because that's when my dad used to come in to have a cup of tea when he was on his doing the driving lessons and if he caught me home he'd kick my ass. So I knew I had until the end of going for gold and then I had to go hide down the street wait for my dad to go after his cup of tea and I can go back in the house again. Brilliant. I mean, <laughs> what, what what memories of Henry Kelly you must have then? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. He, he's, exa- he's exactly like um, the opposite of the of what Steve mentioned about how the characters became uh, bigger than the show himself because he was very wooden. Uh, I adore Henry Kelly, but he had the charisma of a wet flannel. Mm. But... Yeah. The show was brilliant, and looking back now, it was slightly xenophobic, maybe because the British like um, representatives always tended to win. 
or whenever there was a European um, um, person in, in, in the final, the questions tended to lean towards British uh, topics yeah. or it kind of <laughs> give a bit of an edge. But it was a it was a great show. I used to love it. Yeah, going for gold. Uh, just the theme tune sticks in your head as well. It's like blankety blank. Uh, somebody mm-hmm. mentions blankety blank. I will be humming that theme tune for the rest of the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And another one I liked, and Mrs. Mags did not like in the slatters, 15 to 1 with William G. Stewart. Oh, and they used to be on a podium, didn't they? Is that right? And they'd have, is it three lives each? Three lives, yes. Was it green lights? They were, yeah. And basically, you had to whittle down this uh, group of 15 people. Uh, you would nominate, if you got a question right, you'd nominate uh, one of your other teammates, well, not not teammates, one of your other opponents, uh, in the hope that they would get it wrong and lose a laugh. And then the, the final two would uh, would go basically in a head-to-head where they, they would uh, get asked questions um, oppositely until one of them had no lives left. And then that last person could answer as many questions uh, from what were left uh, to build up a score and, and hopefully get on the, the leaderboard to come back to the, the Champion of Champions episode. Yeah. Oh, man. See, they just don't make stuff like that anymore, do they? It's a shame. No. I, I think that's still going. It's got uh, it's William G. Stewart's not the horse. I think it's Sandy uh, Sandy Toxvig now might be the horse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, she, speaking I, of... I think she's also the horse of QR. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And um, speaking of um, Anne Robinson, she's doing Countdown now, isn't she? I ha- I've I've heard that she's the new host. It was the guy from uh, uh, The Apprentice. Was it Nick? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't I know. I've never seen him. The Apprentice. Right. So you know Alan Sugar, though? Yeah, yeah. Well, he had like a, a woman, I think she was called Margaret, and Nick, like two of his advisors. Well, Nick kind of became a celebrity in his own right, and he ended okay. up being the host of, of, uh, of Countdown. And now, I, now I believe it's Anne Robinson. I've not seen an episode yet. No, I saw an advert. I think she was there, sort of saying she's the host of it. Like, but um, gosh, she looks scary now, don't she? I mean, she was scary back in the day of the week. I think, but she looks scary now. You know, she freaks me out a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. Ah, <laughs> oh, but that's that then. Excellent stuff. Um, thank yeah, you great. so so much to everybody out there, as always, for all the interactions we get. Um on well it's mainly twitter but we've had a couple on facebook and so on during the last couple of weeks as well so you can find us on instagram facebook or twitter at chain underscore wrestling on all of those platforms there give us a follow get involved uh but honestly it, it makes the show for us it's superb it's absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant and hopefully going forward if this um live concept we're trialing this evening having a little dry run at works we can actually interact with you people as we're recording as well which is a which is going to be interesting. Hopefully my beard will have grown back a little bit by then. Um, <laughs> In that whole seven days. <laughs> yeah. It's not, I shaved it yesterday. There's, there's a little bit there already, Max. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Otherwise I'm going to have to get, I don't put a wig on my chin or something. I don't know. <laughs> Just wear a Santa beard. A Santa beard. Yeah. Well, the amount of gray coming back through, mine may end up looking that way. You know? <laughs> Man, there there. Yeah. It's rough. Ah. Uh, Shall we talk a little wrestling, Magsy? Yes, let us do so, sir. Hello, brother. This is NW 
NWA, WCW enhancement talent, Randy Hogan, baby. Being in the ring with the Road Warriors, Vader, Abdul the Butcher, Midnight Express and all them guys. Let me tell you, it was dang rough. But not as rough as listening to Cyan Mags on that chain wrestling show, brother. What you gonna do when this pair of fools, Cy Mag and Chain Wrestling Brother, runs wild on you? Okie doke. Uh, with 61% of the votes on the Twitter poll this week, uh, my selection won again, Mags. I'm on a roll. Mm, yeah, you're catching up. I mean, this... to be fair, it, it was a great selection. Uh, but, yeah, you're, you're worryingly catching me up. I think I'm four behind now, something like that. So it's, it's, it's getting interesting. It's 17.13, I think we are at, or something like that. I'll have to look at the little spreadsheet that we got, but uh, I think it's something like that. Um, yeah, my selection won again. It, it must. This must have been what it felt like for you a few weeks ago. You know, and you were sat there boasting, calling yourself the king and whatnot. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> when when do I ever ever put my foot in my mouth? That's not something that uh, ever happens. No, and you, and you haven't won a pole since, have you? Mm. I know that's weird, that isn't it? Maybe I should stop being a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm same biting that as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, so my selection won again. And thank you so, so much to everyone who did vote, retweet, uh, share, the, share the tweet and everything like that. Absolutely fantastic stuff. Um, we are going back to the, well, the, the, the date of this show is 25 years to the day of this episode being released. The 7th of July, 1996 is the 25th anniversary of, well, you know, here comes Hulk Hogan, whose side is he on, drops the leg, and the NWO are off and running. The main event of Bash at the Beach 1996, promoted by WCW on July 7th, 1996, from Daytona Beach, Florida. Um, 8,300 people in attendance. And it's the hostile takeover match that main evented that show. Um yes. Maxi, how long has it been since since you actually what everyone remembers pretty much every year we see that moment, don't we? We see the moment mm-hmm. where Hogan drops the leg. Or, or even the moment where we see him walking to the ring. We see that moment pretty much around this time of year, every year. When was the last time do you think you watched that match in its entirety? The whole match, uh, mm. I think that it's usually to for things like this when I've when we're watching it to review it for something. Um at the time, I was a hardcore WWF fan. Um, but even then, as someone on this side of the pond, uh, I still was hearing the rumblings of this happening. That's how monumental this kind of uh, this yeah. kind of thing was. This was it was it was groundbreaking. This was seismic in the the wrestling world. So even if you lived under a rock. Um, you heard rumblings of of, of Hogan's turn, um, but yeah, it's it's not something that I've really gone back and watched too many times in 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 full. But like I said, that moment, the Hogan coming down to the ring, dropping the leg, uh, the the ring filling up with garbage, uh, uh, Mean Gene threatening um, the, the the trio with his uh, fleet of lawyers, um, <laughs> that all that stuff uh, I've watched. Multiple, multiple times, but the match 
I dare say I've only watched it maybe two or three times in in, in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty similar to be honest. I I rewatched it last year because I just watched the whole event again. Just watched it from start to finish. Um, barring that, I probably haven't seen it for all the way through for I don't know, best part of a decade, maybe. It must be. I had, I had the old VHS tape of it because it was such a iconic moment. You know, I had the old VHS tape when that was what we used. But yeah, it's it's weird because it's something that is ingrained in your mind as a wrestling fan. But it weren't until today when I was making notes and watching it back and really sort of trying to take everything in to be able to discuss it now that you realize, okay, a lot more went on than, than I remember. It wasn't just Hogan walking to the ring and, and dropping the leg. This match was went on for quite a while. You know, there was a lot of drama in the build-up to that moment. Um, yeah, but overall, even before... Even before the match, though, you you mm. got the the sense of the drama because you get an interview with the the three uh, WCW stars and they're all face painted up like showing solidarity. Um, it's a quite a, a crazed uh, interview that they do with uh, Mean Gene. Um, all of them kind of showing a lot of passion, um, but you can tell that it wasn't as well scripted as as perhaps wrestling is nowadays. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you kind of got the sense that this was um, this was bigger than than the actual the the actual event. This match, uh, all the all the things that happened before it, kind of really meant nothing because of how huge this match could be if the uh, the outsiders got the way and got to and and won the kind of like the the change in the wrestling landscape. I mean, and we did go and see it because the end of the wall ended up being uh being massive and it did it did legitimately change the the whole of the wrestling world. Uh mm. and you kind of got that feeling from the build up to it, the way that Tony Schiavone, especially on commentary, was selling this, the way that even Bobby the Brain was was not the the smarmy, cocky, heel-loving Bobby the Brain that we that we all know and love. He genuinely had a sense of trepidation of what was going to happen. Um, yeah. He even he was was pulling for WCW to win because. He, he didn't know where the the wrestling landscape would be after after the match. It was it it was really kind of like jarring to watch. Yeah, the drama all the way through the show. Um, well, okay. Well, well, let's start with the beginning of the show. We we have a video opening up, a video package opening up the pay per view, um, and we get a similar one right before the main event as well. A very similar, same music, same a lot of the same clips of. Hall debuting on Nitro, um, the, the arguments back and forth with Bischoff, and then saying he's got a big surprise coming, which ends up obviously being Kevin Nash. Um, you know, all these moments, um, the, the power bomb on uh, Eric Bischoff through the table, all these moments that were building up to th this event. Um, mm -hmm. But they're done with no sound. They're done with this cheesy music playing over the top. Uh, kind, of, just... kind of like, it reminded me of... of uh... A song by Steel Seal called Crazy. Right, okay. Uh kind of like a um a royalty free edition of it. Yeah, well WSW are quite good at that sort of thing, weren't they? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially with DDP and his smells yeah. like Teen Spirit ripoff. <laughs> it was a South High Five, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um it, it just sort of straight away made me think that the WWE 
or WWF as it was then. And Magsy, you'll know this because obviously you, you, for a change in attitude, you're covering this time period at the moment and mm-hmm. the Austin 316 promo, which started off your, your fantastic new show, was literally only a couple of weeks time-wise away from this event as well on the other yeah. channel. Um, the video packages and hype packages that the WWE were running at this time were a head and shoulders above what WCW were doing, I think. Yeah, um, I mean, we've been looking back at, at, at the Raws and compared to now, it's now and day, it's very gritty and very kind of a um, almost back, back street uh, back in, in, in the, the, the mid-90s. But yeah, you can sense a shift uh, when uh, WCW and this this kind of like, uh, moment happened. You can sense a shift on Raw uh, that that Vince knew he had to change up. Uh, so you, we've we've really kind of started to see the 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 wrestlers with jobs as gimmicks kind of fade out. We're seeing much more realistic storylines coming in. We're seeing more kind of like um, stuff happening on the flow in terms of uh, people. Uh, well, Warrior again suspended for one whilst he was still actually wrestling on that. Now um, we're seeing uh, Vince. Re- this must have affected Vince straight away that he was he knew he had to change because because it was going to change whether he liked it or not. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, it's quite... I think both of those moments are just so important in wrestling when you look back. Obviously, we're looking 25 years hindsight, aren't we, of course. But they really did change everything, you know, the, those two moments. And I think the NWO and what uh, Bischoff was doing with WCW at this stage was so important to the landscape in wrestling going forward. And we're still seeing a massive influence today. I mean, the likes of the Bullet Club and so on are hugely influenced by the NWO uh, with actions and, and the T-shirts and so on. Um, I think this 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 one moment, Hogan literally walking to the ring and dropping the leg, we're still feeling the repercussions of that now in 2021, Mags. Yeah, absolutely. We, if it wasn't for that, for that, and the way uh, WWF reacted to it, we wouldn't have monthly pay per views. We wouldn't have the clamour for uh, mainstream attention because uh, wrestling was still in its own little bubble. Um, it was the use of the NWR bringing in celebrities, uh, using uh, popular music, um, going on talk shows, and 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 things like that. That happened in WCW because of what happened with the NWR, and that kind of like changed the the narrative for WWE. They knew they had to do that. So when uh, WCW went for ten pay per views a year, WWF went with twelve pay per views a year, and we're still seeing that effect now. And even smaller companies uh, like AEW, um, New Japan, uh, Ring of Honor are still kind of working towards that similar kind of rhetoric even impact impact have regular pay-per-views uh because of the way that uh wcw changed the the wrestling world yeah exactly exactly um we mentioned there that the the, the the video package at the start of the show um what follows however obviously we get the open the the standard wcw open with the commentators stood there discussing the night uh the night's matches and so on what was, what was that coming um, and then we get an absolute, it's not the match we're covering, but I do want to mention it. We get an absolute barnstormer 
of an opening match between Rey Mysterio Jr. and uh, Psychosis, I believe it was. Um, mm-hmm. So if, if you watch any wrestling this week, obviously it should be the match we're covering because we're covering it. Come along, people, play along. Um, <laughs> if you watch anything else, check out the opener to this show. It is, And, and also, really bear in mind what these guys are doing. Um, remember, this is 1996. This isn't now. Mm-hmm. This isn't the Bucks or a cruiserweight classic match or anything like that. This is 1996. And it is when you consider the matches on the show also have Hacksaw Jim Duggan, um, big Bubba, who was the boss man and um, John Tenter, who was earthquake. Just have a little look at this opener on this contest. It'll blow mm-hmm. your mind. Um, yeah. You mentioned as well, Mags, the interview with, I suppose for the purpose of our conversation, we can refer to them as team WCW potentially. Um, yeah. The, the interview there, and you said it was a bit nonsense, a bit thrown together. I've actually got a couple of lines from that interview that really back up what you're, what you're saying, my friend. Um, Savage says when he's asked um, about, do you know who it is? Who the, who's the third man? Have you any ideas by mean gene? His response is all I know is it will be somebody which is really insightful and informative there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Luger is asked by Mean Gene, how can you prepare when you don't know who the third man is? Luger says, I don't know how we can prepare, but we are prepared. He said, well, then if you are prepared, surely you would know how you've done that. Prep- Again, fantastic by Luger. And Sting is quite happy to declare that not knowing who the third man is, um, is the unknown and the unknown gives him a very dry mouth. So that was a lovely little insight into how uh, Sting copes with anxiety there. So. <laughs> the, the best part, and this is one thing that uh, Mean Gene was, was so good at doing, uh, the little kind of like nuances that he had. He he checks his own mouth. He's like, when, when Sting says, oh, he has a dry mouth, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, fe- I'm feeling a little bit froggy in my throat, and it's brilliant. Mean Gene oh. is so, so good. Uh, but yeah, Sting was. Oh, it gives me a dry mouth. It it, uh, it sends chills up my spine, and I've got goose pimples. And and you have a you have a <laughs> savage in the front, like basically mimicking what Sting is saying. So when he's getting chills up the spine, uh, Savage is going, Ooh. and then when, uh, <laughs> when he's got the goose pimples, he's there rubbing his arms like, oh, yeah. and then. The way that the end is superb. Um, Savage pauses, shows off all his muscles. So then Luger does it because obviously he's got the biggest muscles of the lot. And then Sting, I think he kind of feels, I'm a bit left out here. I'll pause, tenses all his muscles, screams in the camera, and, and off they go. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Mid-90s WCW nonsense. <laughs> um, also the face paint. I know that the aim of all the face paint was to match the actual ring gear they were wearing that that night and they painted up like sting because obviously luger and savage don't normally wear the face paint but mm-hmm. i kind of felt sorry for luger here he, he's made a bad decision hasn't he because uh, savage has got like purple and yellow gear so he gets purple and you i imagine stings the guy who's bought the face he's got he's probably got a bag with his own mm-hmm. face paints in these what, what you got on boys oh, oh randy okay a bit of purple and yellow there you go pal you know, and then Sting's obviously got them bright green boots, uh, and yes. he's you know got the yellow on his tights and all that. And he's, oh, he knows what he's doing. This isn't his first rodeo, so he's got these colours out. He knows the crack. And Luger's wearing black and white, and it's like, ah, oh, sorry, Lex. You know, no, no, no bright colours for you, pal. And you can imagine Luger being like, oh, can't I just 
can I just have a little bit of yellow or a little bit of pink? And Savage being like, oh, no, brother, no. <laughs> <laughs> Black and white for you, pal. You know? <laughs> it's a bit, I it felt sorry for that. Well, I mean, out of all the three, he has the least charisma. So I suppose yeah. it works. I mean, uh, Savage and, and Sting were very bright, very exuberant, and and Lex is like a, a lettuce. So he's kind of, he deserved <laughs> to be in black and white. Yeah. So is that is that how how you look at lettuces? Is it? <laughs> what? Yeah. Just I look at them cheerily, black and white. They're yeah. disgusting. You're dull. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I just I just felt you know you know it's almost like uh, you're not on our level. You're not you're not a main event star yeah. like us. So you get black and white uh, face paint. Go and change uh, in the fair. corner. <laughs> To be fair, he proves it because he's in the the match for all of about a minute and a half. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so Savage and Sting were right. Um, <laughs> we get <laughs> a, a, a little bit later on in the show. We get um, the brilliant Mean Gene Oakland again, sort of ferreting around backstage trying to find out what's going on. And he's outside a door marked Outsiders, and um, he's got his ear to the door and he's he's eavesdropping. He says on the outsiders and he can hear a voice in there that sounds familiar brother um it's it's, it's, it's that thing of he knows he, he, oh it's in the back of my mind i can't yeah. like place the voice I, I, that is so, he was so gonna then uh brain there's some security guards behind you go and slip him some money see if they can see anyone and then he yeah. goes to do it and then he goes no no do you know what brain don't involve me in your scams uh ironically <laughs> Uh, mean Gene was involved in one of the biggest scams with the the one nine hundred number, asking uh, people to pay three dollars a minute uh, for information on on wrestling storylines. So yeah. he can't call for anybody. Uh, no, yeah, that's it, it, it was yeah, it was so it was corner the way it was like yeah, I know who it is, but I just can't picture the voice. I mean, yeah. you talk to you talk to the guy on a regular basis, you know, when you know something mean, Gene, if you would remember <laughs> that voice, if you even yeah. behind the door, you'd be like, oh, it's fucking organ. Organ is the third man. <laughs> you imagine mean Gene running away from that door, flapping his hands all excitedly. Oh my God. Oh my God. It's, it's Terry. I mean, it's Hulk. It's Hulk. It's Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what could have been, Mags, if only Mean Gene was a little bit more switched on? Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, you reckon? Yeah. <laughs> mean Gene was NWO all along for life, brother. We uh, <laughs> we get the video package uh, that we discussed earlier on then about the match beforehand. Um, I think this video package is great if you already know the story. If I was to sit somebody down who hadn't seen this before, I, I think... You, Mags, you and I often say with current WWE that we don't tend to watch the weekly television, but we'll watch the pay-per-views. I can jump in, put a pay-per-view on now. If, if WWE put a pay-per-view on tonight, I could put that show on, watch it live, and they will do a really good job of recapping every story mm-hmm. before the match yeah. to the point where I almost don't need to watch the weekly television. I feel mm-hmm. WCW here have done the exact opposite of that. Um, yeah. If well, you've you not watched going on. Yeah. Yeah, and, and there's there's no, it's just clips. There's just the music playing again. It, yeah, it, it just it really sort of it, it really sort of it was a miss for me, you know. 
Yeah, and I think that's uh, where Tony and Bobby uh, and Dusty shine on on commentary uh, because if it wasn't for them, kind of like filling the filling the gaps uh, in terms of the video packages and and the storyline build, you're right. You wouldn't we you wouldn't have the 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 first clue in what what was going on, why this match was happening. Um, mm. But yeah, uh, that, I've got to give them props for that. Yeah, yeah, and they're a great team as well, aren't they? I mean, just Shivani's fantastic anyway. Uh, Bobby Heenan's great. Dusty, he does he does what Dusty does. It's a lot of weird rambling that doesn't make a lot of sense, but because it's Dusty, it works. Mm-hmm. You know, and early on in the show as well, actually, we get Mike Tanay commentating on the opener with Rey Mysterio and Psychosis, I mentioned earlier. And I'm a big Mike Tanay fan as well. So they had, yeah. uh, and Bischoff obviously was the main guy on Nitro. Larry Zabisco would also work the Nitros. They had access to a lot of really talented talented presenters and commentators at this point mm-hmm. didn't they wcw when you when you look at it yeah and then they ended up having um mongo mcmackle on commentary ah my ponytailed brother yes <laughs> <laughs> mongo oh man with his little dog uh what was the pep pepper not pepper what's the dog's name fifi no, pe- pepper pepper was al snow's dog okay yeah the one, oh, that he the one that he ate. Oh, God. <laughs> Wrestling's fucking weird, man. <laughs> it is. It's not. It's nobody with the right mind would 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 watch wrestling. But it's, nah. that's what we all love about it. Exactly. Um, we get Michael Buffer doing the entrances. So if you already weren't sure of how important this was, there you go. It's thousands and thousands of dollars worth of importance. $30,000 per exactly. importance. And even then, if you are still unsure of how important this was, Buffer actually says the line, these guys, when introducing Team WCW, um, they're here to defend the honor and maybe even the absolute existence of WCW. So shit. So Sting gets pinned. The company goes out of business. This is this is really tense now. You know, because yeah. <laughs> if Michael Buffer said it, we know it's serious. Absolutely, and I think it, Michael Buffer might be the first person to actually mention the the names of uh of the outsiders i know that they they weren't mentioned uh, all the way up to this match uh there was they were just referred to as these guys or the outsiders mm. um i think it was michael buff that actually said scott hall and kevin nash first yeah oh, okay yeah that's quite interesting because obviously for a while they purposely didn't mention their names did they Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of give that uh, that the, the, they were diesel and razor and mob, yeah, yeah, basically. Um, uh, okay, yeah, I, I think you could be that's really interesting, yeah. Ah. Um, you also get outrage on commentary, and I think this really adds to the to the match itself when it is only Hall and Nash who come out, and the third man is still not being unveiled. There's just I Shivani's going mad, Heenan's screaming down the microphone, everyone is really pissed that we still don't know who the third man is. Um, which I think just again sells the tension and 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 the builds the match even more. Um, we then get Sting's music and Pyro and Mean Gene stood in the aisle looking a bit confused, <laughs> and they have to cut the music because it's a little bit early. And Mean mm-hmm. Gene's like, "Yeah, I, I'm I'm not Sting," <laughs> and he jumps in the ring and speaks to the outsiders, and they basically say, "Wait, we've got enough yeah. for this at the moment. You'll find out soon enough who our third guy is." Yeah, I mean, just teasing it. Why why give the game away? Uh, 
on the 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 entrances, especially if they were the first team out, it might have made more sense if they were coming out second and the WCW team were all there ready and waiting. Uh, but the way that they actually did it, I think, works absolutely perfectly. So, yeah. Um, in hindsight, it was a, it was it was such a, a great tease to who the third yeah. man would be. It wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked as well, would it, if they were all like that? If Hogan was there already, I guess. It, yeah, it Wayne. <laughs> yeah, just yeah. Hogan's already there. What is Hogan doing here? Yeah. <laughs> and me and Gene, I fucking knew your voice. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I heard you. Behind that door, brother. Oh, I recognise that tone anywhere, you know. <laughs> um, we get a big pop for Team WCW when they finally do come out. Um, to obviously save the existence of the company and so on. Um, Luger and Hall start, but Luger is knocked out the ring very early um, by Sting, sort of mistiming a Stinger splash in the corner to a degree. Uh, and I suppose it's quite a little subtle hint because in the build-up to the to the pay-per-view, there were questions being asked. Is it Sting? Is it Savage? Who's going to be the third man? And I suppose it's clever little sort of almost mini tease to, to, to throw back to that i think mags yeah and plus he was the one with zero charisma so you might as well get rid of the black and white pretty early mm, yep that's it and, it, and in fact look, looking back on that black and white that's kind of a link to what the nwo did become black and white so maybe luger was meant to be the third man mm. oh maybe and hogan sent backstage just went oh you know what yeah there's an opportunity. I want, I want some of this. Yeah. <laughs> I want some of this, brother. Hi, <laughs> hi, Paulie's Lex. Sweet. I'm going out there now. <laughs> I mean, they they sold that that bump like he he'd been absolutely murdered when really it was just a stinger splash. And yeah. he, there was nothing huge about it, but fair play to to Luger getting a payday for coming out and doing 90 seconds worth of work. Yeah. Uh, and and I suppose it leveled up the match, uh, which was ultimately the aim. Ah, but it didn't, did it? That's what they were really pressing on commentary. They were saying, "Oh, now if the third band comes out, we're at a disadvantage." Oh, mm-hmm. the numbers game, Mags. The numbers game. Um, the, the match then carries on, and we we get effectively a sort of standard television tag match, really, don't we? With the the, the heels working on. Um, the good guys, you're awaiting the hot tag. Um, some some standard sort of uh, well, I say standard, it's not easy stuff by any stretch of the imagination, but some sort of um, regular tag team wrestling where you know, at one point, mm-hmm. the outsiders are using um, an abdominal stretch and the partner is leaning in behind the referee's back to to put a bit of extra torque on the move. Mm-hmm. That's that, that sort of thing. Um, how did you find the actual this this part of the match, the mags? Because we've had Luger eliminated. We've not had Hogan arrive yet. So I suppose this is like, I suppose when it comes to the wrestling side, this is like the bulk of the match for us, I guess. Yep. Um, you, you've, you've pretty much hit the nail on that. It, 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 it turns out to be a standard um, TV quality um, tag match. There's nothing really kind of outstanding. There's no, it's no like big moves. In fact, I'd say it's rather kind of slow and, yeah. and plodding for a tag match. Uh, there's a, uh, some botches. There's one where uh, uh, Nash essentially just uh, uh, just almost brains uh, uh, Savage when Savage is meant to um, kind of a, a th- escape. I think it's a, an elbow drop. Yeah, that's uh, right, an elbow, yeah. And Savage is a little bit too slow, and he ends up get, uh, taking the, the elbow essentially to the top of the head. 
uh, which which looked like it, it, it really, I think I could see him later on, uh, whether it was him selling or not, but you could see him like really wincing in pain and kind of like rubbing the top of his head. Uh, but yeah, it was a, it was a, the, the match, the actual bulk of the wrestling is nothing really to write home about. It's, no. it's a, it's a serviceable uh, tag match between four um, big name stars from, from that period. There's, it's nothing to really write home about. I mean, yeah. Nash was never the the best worker in terms of in ring action uh, as it is. Savage was uh, was rocking on in years, so he'd slow down a little bit. Um, Sting was as good as Sting normally is, and uh, Scott Hall for me, I think is is one of the most underrated uh, in terms of in ring uh, wrestlers, especially for someone of his size to be able to do the things that he does. Um, I thought he, he's he's always pretty impressive, but yeah, it's just a standard match. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's not really a lot more to say about it. There's not. There's not. I mean, I, I'm literally. I'm looking down my notes now of this portion of the match, and I've got more notes about Michael Buffer, um, <laughs> the, the face paint, um, and the thought of you know Luger being sent to the corner to get changed on his own because he you know he's not allowed any colourful fate and all this sort of stuff. Then I have the actual match itself. Um, I mean, you get a huge side slam by Nash on Sting. That looked really impressive, just because of the sheer the sheer size of the guy. He, he is a monster, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. At one stage, Nash tags in, and I've actually got a note here that says "so slow" with about eight O's in it, because it is just so just just plodding Nash, isn't it? But this mm-hmm. bit this led to a bit of comedy for me. He's going for what, what I suppose most wrestling fans refer to as a big boot, where you know he throws his opponent into the ring, almost like Hogan would before he goes for the for the leg drop. Nash sticks his leg up. Um, <laughs> he plants his opponent fully in the face. So it's Tony Schiavone shouts foot. Which which really tickled me, you know. <laughs> I don't know why it made me laugh so much, but I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, uh, was that 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 was? I think that happened a couple of times because there's one point where Hall sends, uh, I think it's Savage into the ropes, and Nash gives him the boot, and he almost falls over because he's late with the boot, and Savage like makes a a big meal of it, and and Nash almost stumbles. But you get a, a fall away slam from Hall, which looks looks pretty good. You get the uh, sunset flip. Uh, uh, from from uh, I think it's Sting onto Nash, which looks looks pretty good. Um, but yeah, the, it's it's a standard tag team match. Yeah. Un, un, until we get to uh, until the, the finish, <laughs> and here we are. Um, Savage gets the hot tag, but mm-hmm. when he comes in to sort of try and capitalize on it on his his freshness, I guess he's recharged his batteries in the corner. Uh, he gets a low blow behind the referee. Effectively, at this point, then everyone's dying. Everyone's sort of milling around and, and so on. And here comes our saviour. You know, here comes the guy who saved the world back at <laughs> WrestleMania 7. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, stomping down to the ring to save WCW from the evil NWO, the evil outsiders. But we get, oh, whose side is he on? From Bobby Heenan. And I'm like, Bobby, yeah. shut the and, fuck up. And, and, and to- Tony was like, yay, Hogan is, is the saviour. And then uh, Heenan drops that. Yeah, but well, whose side is he on? And, and Tony's like, but, but, what, what? What? Shut the fuck up, Bobby. He's here for doing <laughs> you know, You know, in, in his ear, he's got Eric Bischoff, who's producing the show, just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Don't Why? give the game away, Bobby. <laughs> Why did you say that? 
Oh, Hogan comes down. I think Hogan here. I mean, there's two things that I take from from when he comes to the ring. Uh, one, I think he looks nervous. I, I think, considering how charismatic and over the top, and um, well, I suppose, I suppose, what a better term, confident Hogan normally is. Here, I think he looks a little bit on edge. I think he looks quite nervous coming to the ring to to, to do this. And I, I, I would 100% not, not blame him for that. You've got to mm. remember, this is a guy who's for 20 years before this has been the the, fa- the face of wrestling. He's yeah. been he's always been uh, uh, a, a giant baby face. And for him to, to know that he's cutting that now and he's going to be one of the, the most hated heels... Um, that must have been worrying for him because that's what his career was built on. Is it going to go over? Is he going to, um, because we know how much he was uh, money oriented. Um, is he going to, to, is it going to cost him money? Is he going to become less popular? Um, yeah, you can, you can sense the, the trepidation uh, in, in him coming and doing this massive one eight of, of his, uh, of his character. Yeah, totally. The other, the other sort of note I have of this is, I think physically, Hogan looks fantastic here. He's obviously lost the weight because he's not maybe on as many steroids as he once was, um, mm-hmm. but he looks quite lean. He looks athletic. I think, I think the the tights suits him with the cowboy boots and the weightlifting belt. I think he looks from, from a, um, I suppose a cosmetic visual standpoint as a wrestler. I think Hogan here looks fantastic as well, Max. Yeah, I have to fully agree, and um, it, it it can is the fact that he's come off the steroids. I think uh, mm. that he's not that kind of like uh, orange peel skin kind of like uh, muscles popping out. Wrestler, uh, it looks like it it could be a normal human being. <laughs> yeah, kind of maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, in looks, yeah. Oh, and here it comes, basically. Hogan gets in the ring. The crowd are... Initially, when Hogan comes out, the crowd react quite positive. By the time mm-hmm. he gets to the ring, they're not as positive. I don't know if people are starting to think, oh, hang about, or if Hogan... We, we know Hogan's star was slightly on the wane at this stage in time anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he hits the leg drop on Savage, and it's... Yeah. Whoa. Well, <laughs> first, he, he shoves... Uh... The referee is it Randy Anderson? Yes, I think yes, of course. Yeah, he like shoves him out uh, to basically pats him on the chest to like move out of the way and drops that leg, stands up, and again you mentioned it earlier, but you can see the the concern in his face. Like, have I just done this? Is yeah. this what I've just done? And he's looking around at the crowd and the the reaction he's getting. Uh, I think he realised that this worked that he mm. got the reaction that he wanted, that he got those those boos, um, went and dropped another leg. Um, Hall and Nash get in the ring, uh, the hugging and the half-having. Um, Tony, I think Tony Chirani says he wants all the rest of the WCW locker room to come out and and, and whoop Hogan. Um, uh, he then tosses the Randy Anderson out. Um, then I think we get another leg drop. Um, and then uh, Hall gets the pin, but it's obviously not an official pin. The match is ruled in no contest. And then we get the infamous uh, interview segment with uh, with uh, Mean Gene. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just 
before that, we've got Heenan screaming, I've been telling you this for years, which I thought was a lovely throwback to how he keeps talking about how Hogan was a liar and dishonest when when it was the Heenan family against Hogan back in the day. Um, Shivani tries to declare this must have been planned since 1994 when Hogan first arrived in WCW. It's a little bit of a stretch, but okay. Um, there's a guy in the front row as well wearing a white ECW t-shirt. There is, yes. him, uh, so he is, yeah. is loving this shit. Yes. He, the, he thinks this whole angle has been booked just for him by his reaction. He is all about Hogan turning heel. He is He's just going mental, and I couldn't help but watch him all the time. He's loving it, you know. <laughs> and uh, apparently, and it's, uh, I don't remember from seeing it live, and it's certainly I don't think it was on the the, the network version. But there's a, a part that has been edited out where a fan tries to break and in, get into the ring, yes. uh, and and Nash basically whoops the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you get all that rubbish and uh, uh, piling in and. Hogan saying that this rubbish here, um, yeah. it, it's what these fans are and all this sort I mean, of stuff. And I, I've got a transcript of that whole interview, and it's it's just reading it is as good as listening to the interview itself. Uh, so we've got all these uh, Hulk Hogan, can, excuse me, tell me what in the world you're thinking. And uh, Hogan says, Mean Gene, the first thing you need to do is tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I've got to say. And it's like, Brilliant yes, stuff. Hogan. Hogan, being a dick from the very first second, loved it. Yeah, I'll, I'll probably clip some of that um, that promo into the show, either whether we do it here or at the end, because it is just fantastic stuff. Hulk Hogan, excuse me, excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. I have been with you for so many years. For you to join up with the likes of these two men absolutely makes me sick to my stomach. And I think that these people here and a lot of other people around the world have had just about enough of this man, this man, and you want to put yourself in this group, you've got to be kidding me. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Um, apart from when, obviously, he gets the name of the new world order wrong. <laughs> But the the weird thing is, he says it right at the beginning. Yes, he gets yeah. it. It's that uh, this is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order. Then he goes into the uh, the the uh, diatribe of how he uh, made WWF a, a huge company, how he became bigger than the company itself. He came to WCW because he was promised the, the millions of dollars, the movies, uh, the world class matches. Uh, and then he's teamed up with the outsiders, and then uh, he points to the the rubbish on the on the uh, the floor and says, "This represents these fans, all that kind of stuff." And then uh, when he gets to the end, it's what you're going to do when Hulk Hogan and the New World Organization, and you're like, "Oh, you ruined oh. it, you pillock, you you bold <laughs> blonde pillock. What have you got and done?" Just so close to just getting it one hundred percent right. <laughs> 
Uh, and that was it then, Maxi. We, we were off to the races then, weren't we? The NWO was formed. Hogan starts turning up wearing black and white. Um, and brilliant, brilliant memories created over the next couple of years, mate. Yeah. And, and again, I can't impart this enough. This brought wrestling out of that kind of niche of, of where it, it, it wasn't the cool thing to, to be in the biggest hit on 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 the planet everybody watched wrestling when it was nwo when it was austin 316 and the rock it was the it was cool again and this is a massive massive factor in that uh love or hate uh hogan he was a huge deal uh in in bringing wrestling back to being cool Mm, yeah totally um i suppose here's where we have to kind of Add a, add a little bit of clarity to what we do, I guess, Magsy, because I watched the whole event back, mm-hmm. um, which I do quite often when we review these matches. But we don't rate, we don't rate the whole event. We're rating literally the match. Mm-hmm. Um, the moment at the end makes this obviously it's that historic moment where it all all happened. Um, the match itself, though, is kind of what we're looking at, I guess. So when it comes to rating this, um, the importance of the NWO and this moment and this night in wrestling can't be understated. But I suppose we're looking at the match itself, the finish, yes. and the, the angle at the end is part of that as well, of course. So the, the, the promo comes into that. But we're not looking at the NWO as a whole. We're looking at this contest and this mm-hmm. shenanigans, I guess, at the end. So when it comes to that, Mags, on our usual scale out of 10, whereabouts do you place this yeah um if we were to kind of like separate it and we were just judging it on on the uh the the promo at the end and what came from that promo it would be a straight 10 absolutely no doubt because like i said this made wrestling cool it was a change in landscape uh for better or worse it brought wrestling to the the forefront taking the the match and this as like a, a snapshot uh, and kind of ignoring uh, everything that, that that will come from it it's not the best thing we've watched by a long stretch no. um but it's also not the worst uh we've watched some absolute uh horrific wrestling on on, on this show uh, <laughs> and it's been so much fun <laughs> yeah i mean watching horrific wrestling sometimes is better than watching uh five-star Dave Meltzer wrestling because it is fun. It's, it just shows the ridiculousness of wrestling. Yeah. Uh, but going back to this match, um, I think it's very middle of the road. Um, I can't I can't say it's uh, some among the best that we've watched. So I'm going to go and give it – I'm going to give it a seven. A seven. Okay. Okay. I understand. I'm probably going to go a smidge lower than that magazine. I think I was going to go with a six um, because if I literally just look at the context of – what happened bell to bell i guess even though there wasn't really a second bell to end the contest um there wasn't anything groundbreaking there wasn't anything spectacular there wasn't anything incredible it's literally remembered for that moment at the end um okay i think i think a six for me for that but the angle at the end uh and where they went off and what they did for wrestling afterwards that's a 10 out of 10 easily but this as a match itself, I think I'm going to have to go with a six, mate. Yeah, makes sense. Um, 
six seven yeah it's 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 kind of like the area that i was looking at anyway yeah. i just thought maybe give it a six um a seven uh just because we counted that promo in as part of the review anyway and the promo is way better than the match yeah exactly exactly ah okay then so there we go the origins of the nwo on the 25th anniversary to the day of it happening look at that it's almost like we're organized and professional and know what we're doing <laughs> <laughs> um where would you like to go next week my friend okay so um we uh for, for people who's, who haven't listened or uh we have to tenuously link this match to the last match uh and for me the link that i'm uh i wanted to go down was betrayals because uh, obviously okay. this is Hogan, Hogan betraying WCW, betraying the fans, uh, and it led to one of the biggest things in 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 wrestling uh, period. So I wanted to kind of like follow that up. And uh, this betrayals is actually a, a a very well used trope in wrestling. Uh, it's mm. a, a a great way to to kind of turn a a baby face into a heel or vice versa. Um, so I'm going to go with, I've got two in mind, and both of them are, are huge uh, for, for what happened uh, post-betrayal. Uh, the first one I, I, I was uh, thinking about was when um, Seth Rollins uh, betrayed the Shield. Okay, uh, yeah. I, actually, I was going to go for the match. Uh, that, that essentially led to that, which was the Shield uh, taking on Evolution at uh, Payback. Uh, I think it was Payback 2014, maybe. Um, but I need a win. I need a win badly. Uh, <laughs> so I need to butter up the electorate. Um, so I'm going to go for a bigger betrayal than that. Uh, I'm going to go for when... Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin betrayed the wrestling world. Oh, go okay. I'm going to go for WrestleMania 17 when Stone Cold Steve Austin shook hands with the devil himself and turned to Vince McMahon to win the WWF title against The Rock. Oh, my goodness. Bringing out the big gun. that is my I think that's probably my favourite pay per view. There's one or two others that always come into the into the conversation, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, that's probably my favourite pay per view. And that main event is an it absolute barnstorm. It mm-hmm. It's you know people obviously remember the ending where it, it, the betrayal, as you say, happens, but the match itself is fantastic, and the pay per view. Uh, the whole pay per view is. I mean, mm. from top to bottom, it's stacked full of great matches, uh, full of huge talent, and this was a um, around the time when we were having the the invasion, and uh, Vince had just bought w, uh, WCW, so he had so many things he was juggling, and to nail this pay per view the way he did, um, it's just absolutely superb. So yeah, I'm going with a. Uh, Austin versus The Rock from WrestleMania 17. Get your votes in, people. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'll tell you what, Magsy. I hope I don't, but I won't mind if I do lose to that. That's a great <laughs> shape. That is a great shape. Um, I'm kind of going, well, somewhere much more old school, but I'm kind of going um, with a big hitter as well, I think. I, I try to sometimes pick a, something a bit obscure, something that we might not have seen before or at least haven't seen for years. So I started looking at 
things like Hogan in Japan as the link, um, you know, trying to find matches that maybe we haven't seen. I then thought, well, Scott Hall is like one of my favorite wrestlers. I think the guy's fantastic. I started looking at Scott Hall matches where we could find maybe a hidden gem there. Um, I thought about Kevin Nash, but it didn't take long. I ain't gonna lie. Um, and then, <laughs> and then of course the other side of the coin, we got Luger. And for a little while, I toyed with the idea of Luger and Yokozuna at SummerSlam '93 because it's the you know the fourth of July was you know yesterday as we record, and that's the anniversary of him body slamming Yoko on the battleship and so on. Um, even though I was looking for something more obscure, the moment this match popped in my head. I couldn't go any other way. And I, I simply couldn't ignore it. I thought I'm not going to find something better. Uh, and it's not obscure. It's something that is just an absolute barnstormer. Uh, four and a half stars from old uncle Dave. Um, 1987. I would like to go back to WrestleMania three and have a look at the macho man, Randy Savage versus Ricky steamboat for the intercontinental championship. Hmm. Interesting. In possibly one of the best, uh, in-ring contests WrestleMania has ever seen, even though we're going back as far as we we are. Um, it's often cited as one of the best contests WrestleMania has ever had. Um, obviously, yeah. the main event of that show is Hogan-Andre. That's the attraction. But for wrestling fans and wrestling purists, Steamboat Savage at WrestleMania 3, oh, what a stormer that was. Yeah. And it's it's one of those matches where you can watch time and time again, no matter whether you watched it live, you watched it five years down the line, or you're watching it 35 years down the line. Mm-hmm. That fundamentally, that is a brilliant match. And it just goes to show just how good uh, Steamboat and Savage were. Uh, it's it's phenomenal. Um, you, you will struggle to get a better intercontinental title match than, than that match. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I'll be honest with you, Max. Most week, not all, but most weeks, after we've both put forward our our uh, our suggestions for where we go next, our our next links or next steps, um, I've kind of got an inkling of to which way the listeners might go. Like last week, I don't want to come across arrogant or anything like that, but I thought, okay, I think I've got this with the NWO link and so on. But then there's been other occasions where you've put a match forward and I've just literally finished recording and gone, ah, shit, we're, we're not doing my one. You know, where it's been so obvious that your one's going to win. Steve Austin, The Rock, WrestleMania 17. Steamboat Savage, WrestleMania 3. I've got no idea which way this is going to go. It's a hard pick. I've got no idea. And really I'm happy hard. to watch either. I really am. This is oh, two matches. Oh, both. That, oh. Oh yeah! Can you imagine if we get? Can you imagine if it gets a fifty-fifty? First ever live, um, well, or potentially first ever live chain wrestling, and we have to watch two, uh, two of the greatest matches for totally different reasons. That would be yeah. a, a real way to kick off a chain wrestling live. That would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. Ah, so there we go. Those but, are but WrestleMania seventeen. <laughs> oh, those are your options for next week then we have the main event of Wrestlemania 17 an absolute barnstormer of a contest between Stone Cold Steve Austin and The Rock for the WWF title on probably the best Wrestlemania of all time um, and we have Ricky Steamboat defending his uh, sorry, challenging for the Intercontinental title uh, that is being defended by Macho Man Randy Savage at Wrestlemania 3 which is possibly the biggest wrestlemania of all time um maybe but either way two fantastic shows for different reasons great great stuff there um you can get involved with the poll 
on our Twitter account, which is at chain underscore wrestling. Um, we've also got the Facebook and the Instagram, exactly the same, search at chain underscore wrestling. But the poll and uh, all your, your voting for where we want to go next is always going to be on the Twitter account. Um, Magsy, so I suppose we can have a little little insight now, I guess, to the listeners and say we're toying with the idea of going live. Next week it may well happen. Could be interesting. Keep an eye on our socials for any news on that, I suppose, my friend. Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh, for context, uh, Tanner, Matt and myself have, uh, have been toying with the idea of uh, of taking Radio Tech as solo. We've uh, we've always loved the support we've got from uh, Shooting the Sports Station. Um, we leave with their full blessing. Uh, there's absolutely no animosity between us or any of the team over there. It's just that we thought that we could always make this... Uh, this um this thing bigger um and when uh when i spoke to you about it and uh i i, I kind of pitched the idea of maybe us taking uh chain wrestling to that kind of uh that medium and, and switching up and going live and and seeing what we can do with it uh um, there was a little bit of trepidation people are nervous because like we, we're both middle-aged we're both uh <laughs> Worried about the future. I mean, Simon still thinks he invented an amazing thing with a mobile phone still attached to the wall. Uh, so there is that. Um, but yeah, uh, we're, we're coming into the new age, I suppose, and we're uh, uh, we're excited, nervous, but uh, we're going to definitely see how it goes, and uh, and hopefully we'll uh, you guys will come along with the ride with us and uh, and and get involved. Uh, so definitely keep your eye on our Twitter, definitely keep your eye on our personal Twitters and certainly on the Radio Techers Twitter for all the information about that. But uh, fingers crossed and if all goes well, you'll be able to catch next week's episode live on YouTube, be able to get involved with the show as and when we record it. You can come and give us grief, come and uh, tell <laughs> us, uh, join in on the topic. Uh, nah, my lack of can... beard, like everyone else has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, like, like we say week in, week out, you you listeners and uh, potentially you viewers make the show and we would love to have that that instant reaction with you and, and for you to get involved. So, uh I hope you uh, come on this journey with us and, and you enjoy it as much as we enjoy making the show. Yeah, I, I second everything you said there, Maxie. Uh, with regards to times and so on going forward, again, keep an eye on the social medias for any information there. And if the live video thing isn't your bag, if it's not your cup of tea, the audio will still be being released. Um, you'll still be able to access that and still be able to listen to that. Uh, if you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts on the way to work, or you know, when I take the dog out for a walk, a video is not handy. If I'm watching a video whilst I'm walking the dog, I'll walk into things. So, so, so the audio, <laughs> <laughs> the audio is still going to be available. Nothing is going to change for those people who want to listen to our show that way. Um, it, it, it's just another uh, outlet for for me and Simon to uh, talk wrestling, yeah. essentially. And that's what I love doing. I love chatting wrestling with anybody, even you, Mags. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, very quickly then, let's run through the socials. Magsy, if you want to include all the Radio Techers info on yours as well, my friend. 
Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, first and foremost, go and follow at Radio Techers. Uh, that's the channel where uh, the Chain Wrestling Live will, will be coming out. But you can also uh, definitely go and sub over there on YouTube because we'll be having five rounds uh, live on there. Uh, obviously, the Radio Techers watch-alongs will be on there as well. And there's uh, quite a few other projects that, that are potentially being involved. So uh, there's a very exciting time coming up over there. So uh, get ahead of the curve. Go and subscribe to uh, uh, Radio Techers on YouTube and uh, uh, turn your notifications on, all, all those good things, and uh, you'll never miss a, a, a video from us. And like Simon said, this will still be available on all your podcasting platforms uh, uh, in terms of audio. You can follow me on Twitter at Podfather Mags. It's uh, down here. I mean, I'm doing this now. We're not even recording <laughs> it as a video, but this is what I'll do next week when we are showing it. Yeah. Um, just for my benefit, so, yeah, that was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, it was exactly for your benefit. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you follow me on Twitter at Podfather Mags. Uh, where I'm always happy to chat wrestling, football, UFC, laugh in general. Uh, yeah, it's always a good time. So come and uh, give me a follow. Yeah, great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, you can follow me at SJP Words on Twitter again, and most importantly, follow the show um, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at his, Chain his, underscore. His name is there. It is I'm just there. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. It's there. I, my arm's going the wrong way. Why is that happening? It's it's so difficult. You've... Oh, there we go. Yeah, there. <laughs> Considering this episode is literally just going to be audio, this part of the show is not going to work very well. <laughs> but you can laugh at us when we do it laugh. You can laugh at us doing it laugh. <laughs> exactly yeah you can follow me at sjp words on twitter the show uh, is instagram facebook and twitter at chain underscore wrestling there uh thank you so so much again for all your interactions it's hugely hugely appreciated um i'm off now to shave lemmy the cat and stick his fur on my bold bold chin i'll speak to you next week maxi my friend see you next week ginger beard <laughs> So sexy it hurts And I'm too sexy for Milan Too sexy for Milan New York and Japan Bland date, but yeah, I'm doing really well Um, Excited Um, You've dropped off, that's buzzing Uh, You left, sir One eternity later (laughs) You clicked leave studio, didn't you? I don't know what I clicked, mate. I was trying to close a little window, and then this fucking everything just vanished. <laughs> what did you did you click on the little red X on on the bottom? I must have, but I'm trying to get it somehow. <laughs> Great what start! A, what a burk! What was that? Last sixty seconds was it? <laughs> oh dear, dear, dear. up north and everybody was wondering who the third man was well who knows more about that organization than me brother i've been there i've done that you have made the wrong decision in my opinion well let me tell you something i made that organization a monster i made people rich up there i made the people that ran that organization rich up there brother and when it all came to pass 
the name Hulk Hogan, the man Hulk Hogan, got bigger than the whole organization, brother. And then billionaire Ted, amigo, he wanted to talk turkey with Hulk Hogan. Well, billionaire Ted promised me movies, brother. Billionaire Ted promised me millions of dollars. And billionaire Ted promised me world caliber matches. And as far as billionaire Ted goes, Eric Bischoff and the whole WCW goes, I'm bored, brother. That's why these two guys here, the so-called outsiders, these are the men I want as my friends. They're the new blood of professional wrestling, brother. And not only are we gonna take over the whole wrestling business with Hulk Hogan and the new blood, the monsters with me, we will destroy everything in our path, Mean Gene. Look at all of this crap in this ring. This is what's in the future for you if you wanna hang around the likes of this man Hall and this man Nat. As far as I'm concerned, all this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. For two years, brother, for two years, I held my head high. I did everything for the charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. Because if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would be still selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, all these Johnny Come Latelys that you see out here, wrestling wouldn't be here. I was selling out the world, brother, while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school. So the way it is now, brother, with Hulk Hogan and the new world organization of wrestling, brother, me and the new blood by my side, what you gonna do when the new world organization runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What are you hey, gonna do? Don't touch me, I'm gonna free the lawyers. Cody, Bobby, Dusty, damn it, let's get back to you. Cut. All right, we have seen the end of Hulkamania.